Hello everyone, it's your boy Hunt, back with another super duper fun episode of Tabletop Recap. We also have Big Boy Chungus here with us as usual. Greetings. Yeah, he wasn't in the last two episodes I recorded, but uh, he's here now, and that's what matters. So it's a new year. Uh, well, at the time this is going up, it should be January 2021. But uh, we recorded this episode right before Halloween 2020. So it's about our, it's a Halloween special in January. It sounds like a, <laughs> a straight to television kids TV cartoon special. Yeah. Halloween in January. January. Coming to Cartoon Network. Oh my goodness. A New Year's Halloween. Yeah. So um, we took a break from Baldur's Gate to play this. Uh, Halloween special, this Halloween one-shot called Hollow's End, a one-shot adventure by Jack Dixon. Uh, some Brit or something. <laughs> we had to pay pounds or euros for it or something, I don't remember. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. And this is labeled as a Descent into Avernus episode. That's because it was the same characters, and we played a little Descent into Avernus at the beginning. So um, I'm not going to bother rolling for initiative. We just put our dice up and... Your DM, and I always have DM speak first anyways. So tell us about uh, the Descent into Avernus stuff to start. So uh, I had to do a recap with the players for where we were at so far. And basically, uh, I recapped them by telling the reason why they were in Baldur's Gate. Um, and and we why... play every two weeks, so recaps are very necessary. Yeah, so basically, I just went back and walked them through the block text that they had received and that uh, the city of Baldur's Gate had received an influx of refugees from the holy city of Eltruel, which is kind of like this version, this world's version of the Vatican City. Um, the um, Flaming Fist were responsible for blocking off the city to everyone coming in and out, and have, were having to deal with the refugees as they had come into the city. It also was explained to them that the leader of the Flaming Fist and the Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate, Alder Ravenguard, was missing. He had supposedly gone off on a political mission to uh, El Truel, and when the city disappeared off the face of the earth, where now there's just a crater, he hasn't been seen since. The captain of the Flaming Fist, who recruited the players, Captain Zodge, tells them that with the refugees coming in from El Truel, there was a group of El Truguard members known as the Hell Riders who also came into the city with the refugees, and they believe that they are starting to cause trouble. As Zodge called them, they are self-righteous rabble-rousers. Rabble-rabble. Rabble-rabble-rabble. <laughs> so, because the Flaming Fist are dealing with the re uh, refugees and the rabble-rousing Hellriders, they've conscripted the players to deal with another issue regarding members of a cult known as the Dead Three. The players, uh, using a connect a, a contact of Zodj in the Elf Song Tavern, managed to track down their hideout, kill their leaders, and save the person who was bankrolling their money. Um, after they get through the dungeon, one of their members, uh, D Legend's first character, would wind up biting the dust. Uh, his new character, known as Jadal, would take over and help the party, and then bite the dust. <laughs> Again, but would then be resurrected by an otherworldly figure in uh, the dark void of death. Spooky, scary, scary skeletons. skeletons. And shivers down your spine. 
No um, more or we'll get copyrights. Mm, <laughs> so they, the person they wind up rescuing after killing the th- three dead three leaders was a very burly and burned gentleman by the name of Mortlock. Think of like the two Clegane brothers fused into one body <laughs> from Game of Thrones. And he told them that, uh, yeah, it's true. I was working on behalf of my family to supply and fuel the Dead Three's rampages, but it was not my intention. Basically, my family forced me to do this, is what he was saying. And then, because when they first met him, he was being attacked by the Dead Three, his brothers, uh, Amric and... Um, Chungus and Chungus. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, so, Morlock's brothers whose name is uh, Amric and Thirstwell, would betray him and tell the Dead Three to kill him while he was in the dungeon because they see him as weak, useless, and the disgrace to their family. The mom hates him anyway, so... Yeah, the mom literally... (laughs) He even straight up says that um, my mother cared nothing for me, but my brother Amric means the world to her. So she straight up plays favorites. Um... And he told them all of this information about how it was his mother who convinced older Raven Guard to leave the city because she is one of the high patriarch dukes known as um, one of the Council of Four members. Um, and she also um, set up a meeting between older Raven Guard and Thavius Krieg, who's the high overseer of Eltruel. So he's like the Archbishop Pope whatever you want to call it. So he, he basically set up this meeting between the two right before Elchuel was supposed to re- be removed off the face of the earth. Um, Thurswell informs them that if you want to stop all of this shenanigans and never see the dead three rise like this again, that they need to go deal with his family. And he says that it's probably best to go see my brother Amric, uh, since my mother loves him so dearly that he would make for a great bargaining piece. So... That's the story so far. That's where they're at. And this is where the Hallow's End story kicks off. Because after they leave the bathhouse, they are confronted by five cult-like figures wearing long black cloaks, metal dragon masks, and wearing or using daggers that are shaped like dragon talons. Give you three guesses which god they worship. Yeah, and that's basically where they left off in part three. Yes. The part three episode. So, my stand... His words exactly were, I smell heresy. (laughs) And he recognized that these guys were Tiamat cultists. And they informed them that they're here for what was stolen. They need to give it up now or else. And honestly, had they just given up the treasure they got from Mortlock, which was the stolen treasure from Tiamat, they would have left. They wouldn't have had any treasure left, but they would have left. They were acting like they didn't know what they were talking about. And as players, they didn't know what they were talking about. And they were like, we don't have Tiamat's treasure, even though they were told... When they were given the treasure, this is Tiamat's treasure. Yeah, more... And then the cultists were like, we can sense the treasure. We know its precise location. And they were like, we don't have it. Like, <laughs> It's like, what's that Ray dude? Oh, Man Ray. <laughs> explaining the license to Patrick. <laughs> explaining the wallet. Like that was the, the cultists trying to get we their treasure. We don't have your treasure. You see this necklace? Yeah. It can tell me the exact location of the stolen treasure. Okay. So because it's vibrating such, it means we're in its exact vicinity. Makes sense to me. So give us back our treasure. We don't have it. (laughs) I love those guys, but sometimes, man. (laughs) 
So combat ensues, and they actually do really well. Keocat killed like four of the cultists on we, her own. We played for like six hours. Six today. hour session. And everybody did extremely well in combat and in roleplay the entire time. Yeah, I felt that the combat was much more streamlined than it was in the dungeon last time, so everyone actually enjoyed doing it. But uh, Keocat, you know, she when she leveled up, she got this flaming sword spell that she was kicking butt with the whole game. Yeah, I, I recommended that uh, when we were leveling up her character. Because, <laughs> because I had it when I was playing Clarence Spellshell, and it just, it's so good. Um, so they defeat the cultists, and eventually they realize the source of why the cultists were able to sense the treasure and why a lie would not work on them. Because they have, like, witcher talismans that vibrate, except instead of vibrating when monsters are nearby, they vibrate when Tiamat's stolen treasure is around. Yeah. And the stats actually say up to a thousand feet. Wow. So the reason these guys couldn't exactly pinpoint the treasure before was because it was like way underground in a dungeon. But now that it was brought to the surface, they're like, it's over there. Don't believe a word they say. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But they, they get that and they wind up going over to the Elf Song Tavern because Mortlock requests a place to rest because he is hurting. Mm -hmm. Like when he was fighting the dead three leaders, he was wounded badly. And I even role played him like, I'm grunting because I'm hurt. This is not pleasant at all. Why are we still walking on foot? <laughs> uh, so they get to the Elf Song Tower, and they notice that the Elf Song is decked out with Halloween-themed decorations, ghosts, goblins, and skeletons, and pumpkins, and it just looks really festive. And there's like a party going on inside. Um, so they go in, and as they go in, uh, Keocat's character has a little bump in with a random NPC. And uh, she's wearing, uh, just to clarify, she's still wearing the porcelain dragon mask that she got from the dungeon. Yeah, so. she, she but not that that can really conceals, you know, her, her identity as a race. Yeah, she likes playing dress up in real life, so of course her character does too. Uh, and then, so this character bumps into her, and he's kind of depressed. He's a, a human named Casper, um, and when he bumps into her, he seems kind of sad, but then he looks at her mask and her costume and what he, what he thinks is her costume. And she says, Oh, you look amazing. And she says like, Oh, thank you. I'm not going to try and imitate Kate. Yeah. Before, Keocat. before we get too far into this, 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 um, this one shot, we had to change several things in it to work it in and make it more, uh, Baldur's Gatey. Cause we had to fit it into the city for one thing. Cause it takes place in a... I was gonna Agricultural say area. Yeah, I was going to say fictional city, but they're all fictional cities. Uh, but a, a city that's not part of this universe. Yeah. So, and they had no reason to leave the city. They yeah. have, in this module, there's zero reason to leave the city. And uh, in some cases, they're not able to because the Flaming Fist won't let yeah, certain people leave. At this point. So, it's you, you. we had to make it fit in the city. So, we did some work on that. And we also did some work on Casper here. Obviously, his name is... Because friendly yeah. ghost. But um, we were like, okay, so he needs a reason to interact with the party and get them over there. Because <laughs> if we gave them a prompt and just said, hey, there's a festival uh, outside of town. Someone could just say no. Those morons probably wouldn't go. They... <laughs> They'd say, no, we have to go kill a rich person's family. Yeah, I mean, they still haven't gone to Joshua's house after all this time. So... <laughs> they get to do that next. Yeah. So, um... What we did was, 
We had Casper get stood up, so he has an extra ticket. Since we have a female member in the group, he gives that to her and asks her out on a date. She accepted, and then he's like, your friends can come too, the more the merrier, you know, just like having fun. Because he he's not, he, he asked her on a date, but he's not being creepy. He's like, yeah, I know we just met, we hardly know each other, but I'm friendly. You don't have to come by yourself, that'd be weird. Bring some friends if you want to, they're more than welcome to join us. Yeah, they have to buy their own tickets though. But yeah. that works out, because Kyokat's character is also the poorest, because she's the newest. So. Well, sort of. She's not as poor as everyone else now, because she has a ton of Tiamat treasure. Yeah, she has that Tiamat treasure, but everyone else has Tiamat treasure on top of what they had before. Um, well, I guess I guess D-Legend's character is about the same as hers, but he was not here today, so he did not join the Halloween festivities. Yeah, and so he basically explains to them what's going on, that there's this fall festival called Hallow's End that happens at this time every year in Baldur's Gate, and it's going to be a big deal, and he wants uh, he wants to find someone who, to go on this trip with. Um, and he gives her, like, the deluxe package ticket. Yeah, like, he really liked this girl, whoever was, that stood him up, because he got him, like, the ticket that'll get her into the fair, and all the food and everything else is, like, either free or discounted. Yeah. Um, Even though you made them pay for some food. <laughs> I forgot. Sue me. <laughs> it, was it was pennies compared yeah, to what like, they have. Like, who cares? Anyways, uh, and so they did that, and they get ready, but they have some loose ends they have to tie up. So Maya Stan goes over and purchases a room for Mortlock, <laughs> who's wounded and needs to patch himself up. Uh, Corvus decides to buy a drink and join Mortlock in some camaraderie bonding, uh, drinking and telling stories. Keokat decides, or uh, yeah, Quinevere, who is Keokat's character, decides that she's going to join the holiday festivities and she's going to go dancing. Yeah, and in the, because we play online and in the group chat she shared this gif of like this dancing kitty. is very funny. So yeah, she's cutting a rug. I made her roll a uh, performance check and she became like the life of the party and she even made a little bit of gold on top of that. She rolled really high the entire session. Yeah, she really did. Um, Maybe her dice app is hacked. And then <laughs> Maya Stan actually had a really good opportunity. I winged this whole thing. This was not set up. I assumed as much. Um, and because you didn't tell me about it beforehand, so I was like, he's he must be making. The I was just I so known about it, it. Originally started off as just world building. You know, having the NPCs interact with the world with the characters to make it seem more live, more lively. Uh. And then Maya Stan just went with it. <laughs> I now I know how. Uh, uh, Karen feels on her sessions when she has to come up with random bullcrap for us when we mess stuff up. When you when I mess stuff, stuff up, up. <laughs> never drag me into your garbage. <laughs> so he basically wound up uh, helping a Sahuigan priest, uh, and he got a spell scroll of remove curse and a bunch of brownie points with NPCs. He's a super cool guy; people love him now. Uh, and then they go to bed. So the next day, uh, they are told that uh, through a letter from Casper that morning, because he totally forgot to tell them where to meet him. I think you mean you forgot to tell them where to meet him. You're co-EDM. You're part in blaming this. <laughs> I was doing other stuff. Okay. So he basically tells them where he's, they're going to meet him and that um, they should probably go buy costumes for this festival. I mean, it is practically D&D Halloween. <laughs> so they, uh, they, go, they leave the tavern. Mortlock decides to stay behind because he's too 
uh, infamous at this point and his family basically has a price on his head so he doesn't want to draw attention so he's basically locked himself up in this tavern room until the players get back and have a little adventure and he'll see them later uh they leave the tavern and they go to a tailor who is known for having all these really cool costumes for this particular festival and they go in and I ask him, you know, what do you guys uh, want to dress up as? And Katie gets this really cool dragon princess costume that has like yeah. fully mo- fully movable wings uh, and is like all the different colors of the chromatic dragon scale. I remember he was like, it's 25 gold. And she went. But it was a custom made tailored outfit. And uh, she got a like custom fit to like go over her tail and everything. And she did a really good job uh, rolling with it. And then Corvus wanted to be really awkward. He says, you see this guy over here? And he points to my stand. He says, I want you to make me look just like him. So he puts him in what we called scale face. And he dresses him up to look like Maestan, and he's mocking Maestan. So he's got like this tin suit of armor with a rubber shield and sword, and he's got brass scaled face paint on, which is it's which, te- which we 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 went we 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 inserted a scenario because of that later. We'll get to yeah. it. Yeah. So, but in my and Maestan just decided I. I, I need not for this. I really don't understand this holiday, but I'll have, try and have fun anyway. Yeah, he, he, he said, I don't know why these humanoids... Uh, these humans. Feel, ...feel the need to dress up in these silly costumes. And celebrate evil beings. <laughs> and then later, when they were on the way to the festival... Connor's character said the same thing, and he got a fate point. It was really funny. It was really good comedic timing. Yeah. So they they get to the wall where everyone is lining up single file. The Flaming Fist are vetting people, saying who can and can't go. Because they got their job to do. Um, And they see Casper. They get in the the pumpkin-shaped carriage that everyone goes, all Cinderella. Cinderella style, yeah. Style, yeah. And they get in there, and each of these carriages has a complimentary bowl of what is basically Birdie Bot's Every Flavored Beans with magical effects on them. Yeah, but they're candy for Halloween or whatever. Uh, there's like a whole chart. They yeah. have to roll What are the they chart. called exactly? Uh, they're called Daisy Duke's Several Flavored Gumdrops or one of the things. And then uh, Nathan, Nathan Pin Needle's Magic Candy. Yeah, that's what it was. So yeah. they, they were... Uh, each one took a candy... Uh, Maya Stan ate one that made him appear like he was soaking wet for an hour. Uh, Casper ate one that made him glow green. Keocat ate one that made her feel reinvigorated and gave her some temporary hit points. And yeah, those, what, were, those were the gumdrops. Yeah, and then Corvus ate one that did something. Corvus had the, the dog hair flavored one that oh, removed a hangover. Yeah, it would have removed a hangover if... Uh, if I had one. <laughs> And, this is uh, where I'd remove my hangover if I had one. And then, then of course, there's some good roleplay moments where they ask Casper some questions about his family and his life, and he asks them some questions. And then eventually they get to the fair, where they proceed to be met by the hostess of the event and the owner of the local tavern, Miria, uh, who gives them pumpkin spice uh, alcoholic beverages and invites them into the inn for a quick spooky story about the festival's origins. Get spooked. And while she does this, um, there are some kids who jack the jack-o'-lantern off the front porch and make off with it giggling like, hee 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 Got him. So they hear the story and how, like, 
basically a long time ago, there was a child in the village who was taken away mysteriously. No one has seen his soul since, but they leave out jack-o'-lanterns to hopefully guide his way back home and to ward off evil spirits that took the child to begin with. Um, after the story, everyone is able to leave the inn and go participate in the festival, but they notice that there are some strange clouds swirling above the festival. Kind of ominous-like, but nothing threatening. And then, so let's walk through um, what they got to do. The first thing they got to do is they got to visit some of the food vendors, where my stand and my stand was eager to purchase an entire roasted chicken on a stick, and Corvus bought one just so he could mimic my stand. Yeah, and then there were apples. Uh, Keo Cat never ate her apples; she just wrapped it up. And well, put she it still has it. it. Yeah, I mean, she still has it because it's magical fruit. I'm not gonna let it rot. She can always act. She can eat it anytime she wants. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, but there was also fruit bobbing, which was one thing they did. Yeah, so after they visited the fruit stands, no, I, that was the other thing. Speaking of the food, no one wanted to eat more of the candy. Like, that candy yeah, gives they, you... They had the gumdrops, but they didn't have... But they each ate one of the gumdrop things, for an effect. Yeah. And then that was it. And then they didn't have... They didn't have any of the regular candy. They yeah. didn't have a single one. They didn't have the chocolate salamanders. They didn't have any of it. And I gave them every opportunity to to try it, but they're like, no, nah, we're good. Literally everywhere they went, you were putting down a bowl of free candy, and they wouldn't try it. <laughs> they just That's like going it. to Oktoberfest and not trying any of the beer. Yeah, just being the most boring person at Oktoberfest. But um, first they did the fruit bobbing. So yeah, then after the food stalls, they went and tried some of the games. And the first one was the fruit bobbing, where... Basically, it's bobbing for apples, but instead of just apples, there's different magical fruits. And if you make a series of dexterity throws, you can get up to three pieces of fruit per game. My stand did surprisingly poor. He got one piece of fruit. And then Corvus, who has high dexterity, wound up getting two pieces of fruit. Corvus didn't play. No, no, no. Casper. Casper, Casper played because no one wanted to play the thing. Well, Connor, for whatever, Connor didn't want to get his face paint messed up. Yeah. And Keo Cat did not did want to, not ruin, want her to ruin her fur. So we were Those like, are kind of justifiable reasons. I'll give them that. Yeah, like every time they refused to participate in the uh, festivities, I would just whisper over to you, make Casper do it. <laughs> and of course, whenever he won something, he would give it to Keokat's character, Quinevere. He's a good He's a good date. Yeah. And then, uh, so after that, Maya Stan got called out by a dwarf whose name is actually Dunk yeah. at a dunking booth. There's a sign over it that says Dunk the Dwarf. So it's not so much telling you to dunk the dwarf, it's just announcing his presence. Yeah. Um, and he, he basically tells Maya Stan that, you know, you think you're a man, you think you can dunk me, blah, blah, blah. The whole Stan Pines thing from Gravity Falls. Yeah, I love that episode. I love um, all the episodes, but... <laughs> and so they, they have three tries to dunk him into the water, and if they do, they get a special magical item called a splash ball. Where ball of splashing, yeah. When you get a... Um, it's a spongy ball that every time you squeeze it, it releases three gallons of clean water. It's like always full of water. Which is a super handy survival tool. Yeah, I was thinking that when they use it. It's like, it seems like such a throwaway gag item, but like you could extinguish fires. You could give yourself infinite water in the desert. <laughs> There's so much you could do with it. Yeah, and they're just like, so Maya Stan got one. Corvus got one, I think. Uh, yeah, and, then, and then Casper tried it, but he's too much of a wimp. He scored poorly oh, on his dex throws. Poor Casper. He was best boy. Uh, <laughs> then after that, 
Kyo can't hurt a little voice like this, taunting her. Hey, you! You with the ears! There's no way you can best me! Yeah, there's like a goblin puppet. You play Whack-A-Goblin. But instead of like a machine sticking him up like at uh, Chuck E. Cheese or some other horrible place, uh, it's someone with a puppet on their hand. So when you whack it, they go, ow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's a gnome in the machine that is nursing a bruised hand. So he has to like alternate periodically between people hitting his hand. Uh, so, and Kyokat saw, and it's not like an actual, like, prop. It's an, it's a sock puppet that looks like a goblin, and Kyokat's like, I want that goblin. Yeah, so in real life, she's, like, a huge fan of the puppetry art. She's, like, a big Jim Henson buff. Um, here we have, like, a puppetry museum in our state capital, and she's always going to that. Well, she used to before she moved out of state, but they're, at, they're actually, like, last weekend was a Jim Henson exhibit at her local museum, and she had to go. So so she wanted this puppet. Yeah, she needed the puppet. Like, you said it was a puppet, and she went, <gasps> I heard her. And then she talked through it a few times. Like, it was funny. I wish I, could, I, wish I remembered to give her a fate point for that, because, like, she didn't just... It, it has a magical effect. It basically scares small animals and children. Um, and but, she did well to get it, too, because I think it's five attempts, and you have to hit three to get it, right? And, yeah, you have to roll, like, a 14 dex throw. And she hit four or five Yeah, of she them. hit four out of five. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised that no one bothered to look under the, the machine and see that it was a gnome in there that they were hitting. <laughs> I think they, they knew it was a live person. I think they just didn't care what race they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which is either racist or woke. I'm not sure. <laughs> speaking of racist, this is uh, where Connor's face paint gets him into trouble as they leave the Goblin yeah. game. So as soon as he got dressed, right, in the shop, I, I take <laughs> you away from the microphone and I'm like, Okay, so he's dressing up as another race of people. (laughs) To make fun of them. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's insane. It's very racist. (laughs) And no, in a fantasy setting, you don't think about it being racist, but it is. So I was like, we need like a gang of dragonborns to like come up and get angry at him for so, wearing scale face. So three dragonborns show up, and and they're not decked out in armor like my stand is. They're just dragonborn um, commoners. They're workers in this part of the the city, uh, but they're buff boys because they like work physically taxing jobs. And you got a black one, you got a red one, and there's a green one. And uh, they walk up to Connor and say, "What?" The heck is wrong with you? And Connor's like, excuse me? And uh, they said, what is wrong? Why would you wear that in public? They get genuinely upset. And Connor's character does not know what's going on. And his defense was why it's racist. Like, his defense was, I just dressed up this way to make fun of my Dragonborn friend. Like, yeah, that's why that's it's racist. That's the point. That's why it's racist. So, <coughs> so the Black Dragonborn goes around him and succeeds on a... I think he rolled, like, an 18 or a 19 on a grapple. So, yeah. he, so he restrains Connor. And then the red one uh, made a successful attack and gut-punched him. And uh, Connor, I'm su- Dude, I'm surprised no one in the group pulled their badge out when that happened. Yeah, Connor didn't. My stand didn't. Uh, Katie, yeah, Keokat no, was didn't. busy. She was on. She was dating. Yeah, she was <laughs> dating somebody. But my stand just let it happen. And but either of them could have been. I'm with the flaming fist. What is this? And they, the dragonborns probably would have stopped immediately. Yeah, but they just let him beat on him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they said, "Hey, you want any of this?" 
And Maya Sands like, no, I'm good. I'll just watch. Uh, <laughs> and, but the, that lawful good nature got the best of him. And then eventually said, okay, okay, listen, if he takes the paint off, will you let my friend go? And they're like, I don't know why he's your friend, but yeah, the paint better be off the next time we see you. And as soon as the paint's off, he's like, all right, now I'll go get a dragon mask, <laughs> which is almost as racist as Sam. So he, <laughs> he, he, rolls hot, he rolls average, and there's not a single place in this that sells a specifically dragon mask. He says, but there is a face painter there who will, who does it for kids and they can do a dragon-like appearance on you, but it's not nearly going to be the same quality as the tailor-made. And <laughs> you're just getting in trouble again. Anyways. Yeah. He says, you're doing it again, but this time it's worse than before? Get him. <laughs> so he just decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be a... I'll be a human version of you, is what he tells Maya Stan. And so... Now, they they looked at they looked at some like magic item costume things that could make it like an illusion that you had multiple eyes or an illusion that you didn't have a head. No one wanted any of it. Yeah, which like, I wish they would because that's part of the festivities. This one shot has so many magical items, like a ton, and they just didn't want any of them. Like we get it in Georgia. If you go to a big agricultural fair. I usually don't buy the crappy items either, but come on, humor the adventure. Yeah. Especially since some of these items can actually have practical uses, like the ball of splashing. And most of it was free because they had the full passes. Why did you get the full passes, the all-inclusive passes? If you're not going to get stuff. <laughs> you're not going to take the stuff you paid for. <laughs> and Pete, now granted, people did say that that you know there are prices for these, but had they just said we got the all inclusive passes, they'd have been like, oh, by all means, take one of your choosing. Yeah, so they like paid for multiple instances of food when they could have just shown their pass. And those guys, I love them, but they need to take notes, man. Yeah, they really <laughs> they need do. to take notes. Uh, so uh, they enjoyed the rest of the festival, and then all of a sudden, some chaos happens. People, partygoers, and fair viewers um, begin running around saying, Oh, gods, no, help us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there are these creatures called pumpkins that are zombies wrapped in vines. The vines are like holding their bodies together, and their heads are glowing jack o' lanterns. Which, yeah. They're really cool. Pretty cool looking. Uh, and so the party has their first instance with the main minions for this set and they they defeat them pretty easily yeah i think keocat killed two out of the three with yeah, the flaming there was, sword yeah because there's like i think there were four and then she just whoosh, 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 three of them yeah she slashed three of them and then my stand burned one to a crisp using his flame breath because yeah. they're they're half plant so they're really weak to fire they lucked out remember back in the sunless citadel when we had that fight with the um elven troll dude yeah and we used fire attacks on him immediately without knowing he was a troll. And and that really helped. They did the same thing here. K.O. Cat summoned her flaming sword, and Maya Stan used his flaming breath, and they just they incinerated they just him. Incinerated him. And, and then Connor's character's on his back the whole time because he knocked himself prone with a oh, yeah, he, one. He, rolled, he tried shooting an Eldritch Blast. And he, uh, oh no, I think that was with the cultists. Yeah, but even still, yeah, he he fired an Eldritch Blast at one point, rolled a crit fail. Yeah. It went off in his hands because he was doing some hami hami ah weeaboo crap. And uh, Russian gun. And it, it bounced off his hands, knocked him back ten feet, and knocked him prone. 
Yeah, in that fight, Geocat was also the MVP because she also killed three of the five cultists. There were four regular and then the boss. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. She really kicked butt today. But so after they defeat those, they notice that there's a whole horde of these pumpkins shambling towards them. And the owner of the 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 foreshadows in the, uh, the ta- yeah the foreshadows in Miro is like come on quick everyone else is safely inside you need to get to safety blah 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 and they do so and it's like night of the living dead now they now have all these civilians that are in the tavern they have to try and they basically have to set themselves up for a siege so it's like they can I gave them the option to choose an action that they wanted to do to um, make the fight easier for themselves. Maya Stan wanted to try and barricade the doors using furniture, hammers, and nails, which he totally, he rolled a nat 20 on. Had that great idea to take the legs off the tables to use his boards. Yeah, and he basically boarded up all the windows to the point where they were sealed shut. A carpenter couldn't do as good of a job. And yeah, the he, only, rolled a, he rolled a nat 20. The only point of entrance was the front door for these uh, zombies to come through. Corvus yeah. had the great idea to ask the tavern if they had a cellar underground, if they had any points of interest that the zombies could get into. And she said, no, it's completely, completely isolated underground. And said, all right, all the children and non-combatants get down there now. And so he basically cleared up the battle floor for them, uh, which really helped. Avoided a lot of civilian casualties. Yeah, they're, uh, they handled the siege pretty well. It took forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I could have made that. I, I tried my best to make that as so smooth as possible, but they um, they had to survive ten rounds. Yeah, towards the end, Kyokat sent me a message like, "I am sick of this," <laughs> and I was I was tired too. But that's there. that's what. So basically, whenever to try and move it along, whenever because uh, you have to make different D six rolls to see what creatures are going to spawn through the windows and doors. And at some point, because there's one minion, uh, or yeah, one pumpkin that's basically like a uh, a boomer from Left for Dead. I was thinking uh, those big flood, those flood that exploded. Yeah, Halo. they basically they suicide bomb into uh, the players and do damage, but they die on impact. So to try and move it along, uh, where any point one of those special pumpkins was summoned, I would just summon one of them and have it instantly die. Yeah. Uh, you, you did use some of the munchkins. There are four different types of pumpkins. That's pump hyphen kin, which is very clever, I think. Uh, so there's the regular pumpkins, and then there are also plumpkins, which are the big exploding ones. Jumpkins, which are just ones that can jump really far. Yeah, they can grapple onto you and move around really fast. And then munchkins, which are groups like of five or six, and then they each have one HP, and you gotta... Connor actually dealt with that, the group of munchkins, really well. He, um... He killed all of them with a fell swoop of his daggers, and then there was only one out of the swarm left, because it's basically like a rat swarm, but tiny pumpkin people. And he said, okay, there's one left. How do you want to finish him off? He said, can I kick it against the wall and let it explode? I thought, you do that. So he kicked it against the wall, and he's like, (laughs) like a rat. Yeah. And so they finally finished the siege. And then they are sent to the maze, which they didn't even do. Which I'm kind of glad they did, because that would have taken a lot more time. It's The maze is like one a two-year-old could do. Yeah, it's super <laughs> simple. But straight, basically, after they defeat the the horde, they are told that the they, they look out the window, and these purple and orange clouds that have now materialized over the town are swirling over the cemetery off in the distance. And Mira basically tells them, he says... That's at the cemetery, but in order to get there, there's a maze between you and it. 
So I don't know what kind of dangers you'll experience. And Maya stands like, what kind of walls and such are the maze made out Which of? That was a good question to ask. And he said, well, it's basically hedgerows mixed with wooden boards. And she said, he said, that's all I needed to know. So did they use his fire breath on it or the potion of fire breathing? Maya Stan used his fire breath on it. He, yeah, because I remember they were arguing over it. I couldn't remember which one they ended up using. Because I remember Connor was like, we'll use this potion of fire breathing. And then, and then G was like, you know I can do that for free, right? I can breathe fire regularly. You won't have to waste an item. Like, sure, the potion of fire breathing does more damage than his normal, like, race ability. But you don't need to. It's just that. And then it's actually full of pumpkins as well. But they were all burnt to the ground. Yes, they, they literally <laughs> set the maze on fire. And after five minutes of watching it go up in flames, there's just nothing but an ash field between them and the center of the cemetery. Yeah, if we would have kept doing the maze, we'd probably finish playing right now. Like Probably. We probably would have tacked on another seven or eight, Seven or eight hour session. <laughs> yeah. So they get to the center, and it turns out that the cause for all this is this necromancer who, in life pissed off a the god Ogma, who's the god of knowledge. Um, and he Which did, I think we added. I added, yeah. Yeah, I, I said we should have a god punish them, and then you picked the god. Yeah, I was trying to think, what's a god that represents uh, either magic or death that we haven't used yet? And Ogma was just the first thing that came to mind. Because yeah, they tried to use Remove Curse on him to get him to go away, which was a good idea. But he wasn't technically cursed. He just messed up. He was cursed on a divine level. Yeah, it wasn't the type... It was it was a god's interference, just yeah. called a curse, it's, but it wasn't it, actually a curse. It's not like the curse from Invader Zim where Dib's sister tastes pork forever. Now, you can banish him. There is a banishment option, yeah, but they and, didn't have any of the spells that were required for that. And Corvus's character had a great interaction because he says, I want to try and talk to my patron to see if I can't get some otherworldly help. And he's like... I don't know why his anti-undead, anti-necromancer patron would help this dude because he is an unted necromancer. Yeah, I, I even went back and watched some YouTube videos to get a better sense of how to roleplay the Raven Queen. And one, she's really standoffish except for her really, really close followers. Um, but she is very picky about what souls she gets to manipulate and which ones she doesn't. And she really doesn't like other people taking her souls away. So she hates necromancers and she hates people who raise the dead and take souls. So Connor basically calls her up on his little magic phone. He says, like, hey, Raven Queen. And she's like, why haven't you destroyed that necromantic whistle you got from the Sunless Citadel? <laughs> that you've been holding on to ever. He was like, well, I, didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to destroy it. And, it like, the whole reason you took it was to destroy it. Actually, he wasn't at the Sunless Citadel. Maya Stan gave yeah, it Yeah, but to he him. took it from Maya Yeah, she's like, why haven't you destroyed that whistle? And he says, I didn't know. I literally tell you every day, destroy necromancers and necromantic <laughs> items. Why haven't you done it? I remember the whole reason he took it was to find someone who could destroy it because it's protected by magic. Yeah. Uh, and it's he, a great he, item, though. I would just use and it. And he knows it, but he, he, he hasn't destroyed it yet. He just forgot. It's just been so long. Um, I love our group. So he's Corvus is basically asking, "Hey, so this guy's a necromancer, and I was wondering if you could help us to get rid of him." And I, she says, "I have two questions. One, is he undead because of his own volition?" He says, "No, not really. He was cursed by a god." And she said, two, is he a necromancer?" 
She said, yeah. And she says, I want you to make him suffer and then destroy him. I don't know how, but Jack somehow convinced them he was, like, a good guy. He really wasn't. They had they should have rolled insight on him because they were like, your pumpkins were murdering people. And he was like, oops, not my fault. But, <laughs> like, he's chaotic evil. That's his alignment. This dude is a bad dude. He's yeah. Just, he's just charming. He's wearing a little suit. He's got a little top hat on. And then he pulls a cane out in combat from between his rib cages. Yeah, did you ever use his multi-attack? No, because he kept using necrotic... Uh, wait, he had multi-attack? Yeah, he has multi-attack. He can use two cane whip attacks. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, well, I forgot. <laughs> I didn't notice He still either. did a ton of damage on his own. I usually don't help a lot during combat, so that's why I didn't Yeah, notice. so Mystan tried to help alleviate the curse, and Corvus was given specific instructions from his patron to destroy this guy. He's like, oh, well, death it is then. Yeah, and then Mystan was <laughs> like... Cowabunga it is. Mystan was like... That's fair. I know how gods be. <laughs> <laughs> so combat initiates and uh, a lot of cool stuff happened. Jack uh, has a lot of cool tricks up his sleeve, but in the end they wind up killing all of his pumpkin allies. And uh, Maya Stain would be the one to deliver the killing blow by basically <laughs> having him blow up in Holy Nova light. Yeah, first Maya Stain was going to give him the, the blow and then he attacked twice and missed. Both times. And then Keocat was going to give the finishing blow, and she attacked twice and missed both times. And then Connor was going to give him the finishing blow, and he attacked twice and missed both times. No, he attacked three times and missed all three yeah. times. Yeah, actually, I think he could have... Yeah, he attacked three times. He attacked with his spell, he attacked with his magical blades, and then he attacked with his imp. All of them missed. Oh, no, the imp makes it four. Because he had the... Oh, yh, yeah, the twin daggers. Dagger, and then he had the spiritual weapon, and then the imp. So, yeah, everyone missed for an entire round, and my Jack's like, you guys suck. Whack. God, it was just wax Keocat on that other game. <laughs> but they eventually defeat him, and they uh, they go back to the village to celebrate their victory. And I think it was a great way to end the session. Yeah, he for, was cool. Uh, because um, they go back, and uh, Mira's like, huzzah for the saviors of our holiday and our village. Let's hear it. Hip, hip, hooray. Three times, etc., etc. And as a reward, she gives them um, lifetime uh, free passes to the Hallow's End holiday for the rest of their lives. We gotta come back. We are. We Next. gotta... We, when they get... When they... When this ends, maybe instead of doing two more horrors, we should make a sequel to this instead. Yeah, we, we can find something and let it be another... Uh, Another add-on. Have you ever seen um, uh, Halloween is a Grinch Day? Okay. There's there's technically a Grinch prequel that came out after the original Grinch Christmas movie. And it's literally a Halloween special where the Grinch tries to terrorize the people of Whoville on Halloween. You're pulling my leg. I'm not. Look it up. <laughs> okay, I will. Later. Um, anyways, <laughs> I think maybe we could do something like that. But... Had they asked, she would have given each of them 200 gold. Yeah, I actually have an idea. Connor, or yeah, Connor, as vain as he is, could have said, hey, this isn't sustainable enough. We need gold to sustain our losses. I really thought Connor was going to ask for gold. Yeah. Because it says if they ask for gold, to give them 300. Yeah. But nobody asked. I think they just had so much fun at the festival, they were like, yes, a lifetime passes. <laughs> Which is still wholesome. Like, because normally, I think last time we tried to pay them with something like that, 
Connor's character did in fact complain and ask for money, but this time he was like, "Yeah, I get to come back and refuse to eat candy. <laughs> I get to make fun of dragonborn people again. <laughs> Next time he's gonna he's gonna be a drow. Like, oh, no, 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 because <laughs> drow have naturally dark skin. That is actual. Yeah, that is. You all know what that is. I'm not gonna say it on here and risk demonetization." <laughs> But the session did not end there. And I actually, I wish someone acted a little bit harder to get a fate point, but Keokat and Casper wanted to finish the rest of their day into the night um, because it got interrupted by Jack. And they had an awesome little time together, which she refused to give details on because she's <laughs> a gentle lady and that's her right not to speak of it. Doesn't kiss and tell. And Casper's the same way. She said it was her experience. It's hers to talk about. Because <laughs> he's a gentleman. And then, but at that same time, Corvus and Maya Stan was like, hey, the bar's still open. Let's have a drinking game. That was fun. That yeah. Was. We were about to call it, and then they were like, let's drink each other under the table. They and went hard. They, they went real hard. Tell them your rules for the drinking so game. So when I set up the drinking game, and I came up with this on the spot. Basically, uh, Mira brings out uh, a tray of eight. Big old glasses of beer. Um, we're talking like Oktoberfest would be proud. Uh, and she says, all right, this is a, this game consists of four rounds, and you have to drink one pint of the strongest beer in the pub uh, each round. Uh, so basically, at during each round, I would make them drink. And the first round, they would have to make a constitution saving throw, where the success roll was a five. Easy. Yeah, but it's totally easy. Connor almost failed it, though. Yeah, that's... <laughs> he how did it, you almost fail that, dude? He, he rolled exactly a five after his modifier. <laughs> Should have rolled a nat one and got alcohol poisoning. Uh, he would have, like... <laughs> he would have taken some damage. Second roll. They've got alcohol in their system, so it doesn't make sense to have the same roll. So I increased the success rate to ten. Third time, it goes up to fifteen. And then the final roll is you have to roll a twenty or higher. They made it all the way up to 20 in time. Yeah, they both rolled higher than a 20 on their last roll. And everyone's like, hoo, 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 hoo. The, those three dragon boards are like going, my stand, my, my stand. stand. <laughs> yeah. He's got, my, my stand, uh, actually, my stand did fail the third roll. And uh, he would have lost because he's about to fall over. But I made him roll a deck saving throw, which I would have made everyone roll a deck saving throw if they yeah. failed one. Because I was like, okay, you got to try and keep your balance because you're drunk off your butt now. Faux show, faux show, faux show. But they show. made it all the way to all four rounds. So then came the tiebreaker. And then uh, Mira <sighs> uh, brings out a tray with two shots on it. Like two little shot glasses. Two shots, two shots. And she says, we call this dragon drool. And it is the finest brandy that comes to us all the way from Chult. I mean... I meant to name it Dino Drool because it was from Chult, oh. but I said Dragon's Drool because I... There's dragons in Chult. Dragons um, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it works out. Um, but, so basically, the success roll for a Constitution saving throw for this one was 25. Which Good. which they did just make the previous time. Well, one, no, of, the, one of them made it. stand rolled a 21 and Corvus rolled a 23. Oh, I thought they'd made one. No, made so it. the chances of staying conscious after this were very, very low. Like, you have to roll a nat 20 to succeed. It was basically just to see who rolled the lowest. Yeah, and so basically they take the shot... And they both pass out, but because Maya Stan rolled higher than Corvus, Corvus passed out first and technically lost. 
And my yeah. and my stands like you know at the end after they wake them up and bring them back to consciousness because they blacked out. They should um, be dead. <laughs> they um. They're holding Maya Stan over their heads. They're like, Maya Stan, Maya Stan, you're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. And Mira doesn't forget Connor, and so she's like, ah, don't worry about it. This kind of thing happens all the time. And she gives him the dog hair candy that... So he clears. has to stomach a second of dog hair, but he gets rid of his... Yeah, he gets he gets rid of his drunkenness, and he yeah. won't experience a hangover. Yeah, technically the candy is for hangovers, but we figured, screw it, <laughs> let it be for drunkenness. Why not? And then, so the, the party continues all the way to the next morning. Keokat and Casper meet every uh, meet Maya Stan, who is a little hungover at this point. He didn't get a dog. He didn't get candy. a doggy candy. Um, and, and Connor tried to get one for him. He was like, you think Maya Stan could use one too? And she was like, no, nah, he's having fun. <laughs> he's having fun. Uh, and then they go back into the pumpkin carriages, and now they're on their way back into Baldur's Gate to return to Mortlock at the Elf Song Tavern to continue the main storyline. Well, that was fun. We have a world to save now. <laughs> so classic. So classic. We... <laughs> yeah, that was just so fun. I think that was the best session this group's had yet. Yeah, and I'm hoping the next session will be just as good. There's going to be... There's no dungeon runs for next session. Thank goodness. I'm and, not a big dungeon fan. And the, uh, the next... Uh, basically, for the next session... Uh, the characters will have a little surprise, but they will have some advantage going into the Vanthapur estate to deal with that whole thing. We'll talk about those during the next session. Uh, but it's, it should be... Next session is going to have a lot of role play, a lot of interaction. Some new NPCs are going to be introduced, and some people are going to die. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Some people are going to die. Oh, Lord. Well, hopefully uh, D-Legend can join us for that one. Yeah, that, that'll be great, because that way he's able to come right back in without missing a beat. Yeah, because it's perfect that this is the one he couldn't come for, even though I think it was the most fun. Uh, I think he would have actually been the one to play the party games and stuff the most, the carnival games, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, that is it for today's episode of Tabletop Recap. If you want merch... Uh, social media, uh, anything like that. It's all in the links in the description. Definitely check it out. If you don't see a merch tab or a merch link, there's an eBay link, and that's it. Uh, but I'm not sure what we're going to do an episode over next time because uh, we have several. Like, I just got a Rick and Morty game that we need to play, but also who knows if we'll even get a chance to do that before our next session. Because we're doing these every two weeks now. These I know it took forever to get you this episode, but that's because we pre-recorded a bunch of regular board game episodes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the next episode for this might be in like two weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I think we have two more sessions left before we finally make it to hell. Really? Yeah, because... After the Vanthapur state, they essentially tie up all the loose ends. All right, with, all right. If you're in the group... Well, you know what? Actually, this won't air until they've already done it, so, so go ahead. So there's the, the incident with the Vanthapur state should take one session if everything goes well. I'm fluctuating for major mess-ups. Uh, and then after that, there is at least a half a session's worth of stuff before they actually get to hell. So they may actually get to hell in two sessions, could take three. If you're DMing for him, you're already in hell. <laughs> I'm just hey. kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really, I'm having fun 
barely doing anything, but <laughs> it's still fun. Well, I think I did a lot this session actually, but especially since I'm co I'm coaching a lot of the people in one-on-one -on -one messages to the new players on the phone, so they don't have to ask me questions over people who are role playing and stuff. Uh, but that is it. Thank you all very much for your support. Remember to rate, comment, subscribe, check out all the cool links, as I said before. And we will see you all next time when fate knocks at your door.